0: In your white insert sheet, the hymn How Lovely Shines the Morning Star. How lovely shines the morning star. Um, this particular hymn written by Philip Nikolai. Um, the title, How Lovely Shines the Morning Star, a uh, revelation. 22, very, very last chapter, um, refers to Jesus as the morning star, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, and the morning star who is going to, uh, come. But, um, that's not what the heading that he put on this, uh, hymn. Uh, instead, the heading when it was originally published was, quote, a spiritual bridal song of the believing soul concerning Jesus Christ, her heavenly bridegroom, founded on the 45th Psalm of the prophet David. So, it's actually taken from Psalm 45. He calls it a bridal psalm. Unlike some of our other uh, hymns that are based on psalms, sometimes I can just go through and I can read a couple stanzas and then we... Uh, a couple verses, and then we read the stanza and kind of go, oh, yeah, I can see where that came from. Um, This one you pretty well can't. Um, The heading for Psalm 45 does say, for the director of music, a tune of lilies of the sons of Korah, a mascal, a wedding song. So you got that idea of this being a a wedding song uh, from Psalm 45. Uh, It does talk about, uh, you've got words of the bridegroom at the very first verses, then words of the bride, then words of of the uh, community, the wedding procession, all in Psalm 45. But um, anything that would come of this, the very first part of Psalm 45 says, My heart is stirred by a noble theme as I recite my verses for the king. My tongue is the pen of a skillful writer. You are the most excellent of men, and your lips have been anointed with grace, since God has blessed you forever. And so it speaks about the bridegroom, and it's speaking of him, uh, how he is the most excellent, and uh, how my heart is is stirred up concerning him. Uh, that's what we have with Psalm 45. Um, much past stanza one, the rest of it is simply a... Uh, hymn that's based on a bridal uh, idea. It became very popular. It was used uh, not only in Epiphany, um, but also at weddings and things of this sort. This one happens to be appointed for us for the 20th Sunday after uh, Trinity. Philip Nicolai also wrote... Uh, wake, awake, for night is flying. So we're kind of getting towards the end of the church. We'll use this one. We'll also use that one uh, at the very, at the end, which also uh, <laughs> speaks of Jesus as the bridegroom. All right, stanza number one. How lovely shines the morning star. How lovely
1: shines
0: the morning star. The nations see and hail afar.
1: The nations
0: seed and hail afar. The light in Judah shining. The light in Judah
1: shining.
0: Thou David, son of Jacob's race. Thou David, son
1: of Jacob's race. My bridegroom and my king of grace.
0: My bridegroom and my king of grace. For thee my heart is pining. For thee my heart is pining. So there you see that my heart is stirred up by a noble theme. My heart is pining. I'm, I'm wishing to speak about who, the bridegroom, and that's exactly what the beginning of Psalm 45 is speaking about. Uh, this bridegroom uh, is also our morning star. Uh, he's the one that comes as David's son. Going on, holy, great, and glorious, thou victorious. Prince of Graces, Filling All the Heavenly Places.
1: Prince of Graces, Filling All the Heavenly
0: Places. So the first stanza deals with the bridegroom and and speaking of him, and can I talk about about him. With stanza number two, uh, the key words I would say in this one as well is thy blessed gospel saving power. So we're going to talk about... uh, in stanza number two, what he has done uh, with the gospel, the message that goes out. Um, I'll just read, oh, highest joy by mortals, one true son of God and Mary's son, thou high born king of ages. So he has won for us. The one who is both true God and true man has one for us, the highest joy. Thou art my heart's most beauteous flower and thy blessed gospel's saving power. So uh, there you see what he has won for us and how the gospel then goes out. My raptured soul engages, thou mine, I thine, sing hosanna, heavenly manna, tasting, eating, while thy love in songs Repeating, So we're repeating the gospel message that uh, we have, and we're rejoicing in all that we have received, this highest joy. Standard number three. The key words kind of in the middle are, in thy blessed body, let me be. This body here is referring to the body of Christ or the church. So where is this saving gospel uh, uh, published? Well, in, in the church, in the body of Christ. Now richly to my waiting heart, O thou, my God, deign to impart the grace of love undying. So give me this uh, uh, love. In thy blessed body let me be, let me be a part of your church, even as the branch is in the tree. Thy life, my life supplying, sighing, crying for the savor of thy favor, resting never till I rest in thee forever. So we want to be a part of the church. We want to be a branch connected to the tree uh, to whom he is giving us that love um, that we might have for our life. Stanza 4. It speaks of a pledge. Maybe you can think in terms of wedding once again. But um, uh, this particular pledge is the means of grace. This is the uh, gifts that God gives us. Um, sometimes we call these sacraments. Or, uh, you know, for someone like Abraham, it's the sign of circumcision. For us, it's the sign of baptism. These kind of things. A pledge of peace from God, I see. Maybe like a ring for a bride. When thy pure eyes are turned to me, to show me thy good pleasure. And then those means of grace, those pledges. Jesus. Thy spirit and thy word, thy body and thy blood afford. So we have the word and the uh, sacrament of of the altar. They afford my soul its dearest treasure. Keep me kindly in thy favor, O my Savior. Thou wilt cheer me. Thy word calls me to draw near thee. So we have the pledges of God, his word, as well as uh, his sacraments. And five. Um, it speaks about what the Lord, our Jesus, what the Son of God has done for us uh, in his love. Thou mighty Father, in thy Son didst love me ere thou hadst begun the ancient world's foundation. So, even before the world began, the Father loved us in his Son. The Son hath made a friend of me, and when in spirit him I see, I joy in tribulation, what bliss is this? He that liveth to me giveth life forever, nothing me from him can sever. So, uh, this Jesus, the Father who loved us, then this Son came to befriend us, what did he do? He giveth <coughs> life forever to me, uh, and thus, in the midst of tribulation, I might have, have joy. Sansa 6. Lift up the voice and strike the string. Let all glad sounds of music ring in God's high praises blended. That's probably the theme of this one, high praises. Christ will be with me all the way, today, tomorrow, every day, till traveling days be ended. Sing out, ring out, triumph glorious, O victorious, chosen nation. Praise the God of your salvation. And so the Praise of the salvation that he has won. And finally, stanza number seven speaks of the uh, final home, the home of joy supernal. O joy to know that thou, my friend, art Lord, beginning without end, the first and last, eternal. And thou at length, O glorious grace, wilt take me to that holy place the home of joys supernal. Amen, amen. Come and meet me, quickly greet me, with deep yearning. Look, Lord, I look for thy returning. So at the return, we get the, uh, uh, the joys that come of Christ. So as I go through those, um, I do want to read for you a, a, a paragraph that speaks about uh, the hymn. Usually I tell you something that has to do with the author in this. Um, Have you noticed a theme in in most of these hymns? When I get to it, I say, well, this is what was going on with the author. What do I usually say? Usually I say, oh, this was uh, a terrible time. It was during the Thirty Years' War. it was, here it comes. With both text and tune, Philip Nicolai, this hymn first appeared in 1559, 1599 in a devotional booklet. During the months from July 1597 to January 1598, the plague exacted a devastating toll in the town of Una in Westphalia, where Nicolai served as pastor. The terrible reality of some 170 deaths during a single week in August 1597, could not have failed to have a deep impact on a pastor responsible for applying the comfort of the gospel to those who had lost loved ones to the plague. His reflections on eternal life are preserved in this book, which also contain his hymn, Wake, Awake, For Night is Fly. The plague, 170 deaths in a single week. Um, why do you think the great Lutheran hymns usually have a story like that? Don't
1: know what.
0: Hins are should be where we, where we look during mm-hmm. times of tribulation. Maybe it should be where we look it. at always, but. Maybe that's why we have trouble answering that, is because when I think of tough times, even in my life, I go, no, I didn't think about any hymns. Well, I really should have been. That's, that's where the comfort is most pronounced,
1: yeah. as
0: described in God's Word. The hardships Some of
1: these people have our experience. We've got life pretty dang easy <laughs> yes. I mean, they, they had
0: we can't even imagine. Yeah, you give me three or four uh, uh, funerals in a week, you know, and I'm gonna be complaining terribly. Yeah. Hundred and seventy funerals. Yeah,
1: I mean, how do you bury those people? How do you handle it? Mean, just all of the logistics of things that are easy for
0: us here that weren't back then. Right. Right, and even the logistics, right, all of that. You know the prayer, the study of God's word, and then affliction are the things that make a theologian. Um, you will see theology come forth when those things. Why don't we have those kind of hymn writers today? You know, we haven't been forced to let go of all of everything else and to see this as as that great that great comfort. Um, Uh, Okay, uh, we're going to sing just stanza one through. Um, uh, It's a little bit different. Uh, uh, They say it's been regularized, kind of the second line, the nations see and hail afar. Um, is a little bit different in uh, the blue hymnal, but it, it shouldn't be difficult. the third article of the Creed. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. But the Holy Ghost has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. So we talk about the things that God does individually. And then it goes on to say, even as he, and then we talk about the whole church, calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth. Alright, in the third article of the Creed, we say, I believe in the holy Christian church, the communion of saints. I think last Wednesday we talked about how those two things are describing the same thing. So there are not six things listed in the third article, but actually five. So the Holy Christian Church is the communion of saints. Luther in the large catechism says this communion of saints, this fellowship of saints, he said, we really ought to call it a community of saints. A community. Hmm. So, if you're going to, you know, church, someone says, you know, what, what do you mean when you say, when you say, I believe in the church, what do you mean, church? What's your definition? Right? Those who believe rightly about Jesus. Excellent. So, we can have a definition that includes believers, those that have faith, who believe in the truth about Jesus Christ, and thus they are a part of the church. Where can we find those believers, the ones that are the church? Ryan, Go
1: ahead. Well, they're, they're all over, but we know they're where the word sacrament is rightly preached in administered.
0: Correct. So, God has promised that, yes, where are you going to find, you know, wherever the word is being preached and the sacraments are being administered. And so, hmm, that is the place where believers are going to be gathered. Why would we find them there? Why would why would they be found there? What what would be the reason for that? Well, the, the quality of the believer that makes them a believer is their is their faith, which desires words actually. Very good. So I can talk about after the fact that they have this faith, right? And you say, this faith desires to receive the word and sacrament. Um, You can also push it the other way. In which,
1: where does faith come from? Hearing the word and receiving the sacrament. (laughs)
0: So, So, therefore, if you want to go, well, I wonder where, you know, Can faith be created somewhere else? Well, no, it's always created through the word and the sacraments. Why? Because we know that's where the Holy Spirit promises to work. He promises to work where the word is revealing. Now, Jesus Christ won our salvation. When he died on the cross, it is finished. Everything is done. But if it hadn't been proclaimed, if the atonement that he won for us hadn't been preached, we wouldn't know about it. And it is through the preaching of that gospel that it creates faith. So to give you just a little bit of uh, uh, Luther's large catechism, um, he talks about, in other words, the Holy Spirit, he says, first leads us into his holy community, he places us upon the bosom of the church where he preaches to us and brings us to Christ. So, what happens? God puts us in his community where the church will preach to us and bring us to Christ. A little bit later, it said, God causes the word to be published and proclaimed in which he has given us the Holy Spirit to offer and apply this treasure of salvation. Therefore, to sanctify us, which is the work of the Holy Spirit, sanctification, is none other to bring us to Christ. And how does the Holy Spirit bring us to God? Well, he preaches the word to us, something we could not obtain by, him by ourselves. And then there are two phrases, they're about a paragraph apart, but listen. Where he does not cause the word to be preached, and does not awaken understanding in the heart, all is lost. For where Christ is not preached, there's no Holy Spirit to create, call, and gather the Christian Church. It lets us know that the Holy Spirit promises to be here and where the and where the church is gathered around, the right preaching and the the sacraments and and, and receiving those things, the Holy Spirit is doing his work. Where there is no Holy Spirit, um, uh, you're not going to have faith created. You're not going to have Christ preached uh, to go out. There is no, where there is no Holy Spirit to create, they are galling gathers, No one can come to Christ. Well, all is lost. And so what we see with the third article of the Creed is that it's talking about that community of saints and says, aha, here is where this is going on. But where Christ is not preached, you can't have faith. So the importance that we get the message Right, the message about Jesus Christ, because that's where this community is. One, it creates the believer, and then two, the believer wishes to receive it, that he might well be kept in it. Uh, What did it say? And kept me in the true faith. He daily and richly goes on to say uh, in the Catechism, he daily and richly forgives all sins to me and all believers. All right, so you became to faith in Jesus Christ. Do you need to come and hear the word? And you say, well, I already I heard the word. And I've come to believe in Jesus Christ. So, you have salvation. That's true. Can we stop with that? Jane?
1: You don't want to starve that new life
0: you have yet. <laughs> Good way to speak about it. You could starve it, right. Um, if somehow there was no original sin and we didn't live in a sinful world and the devil weren't against us, yeah, we, we'd be done. Um, But he goes on to say he daily and richly forgives. So God is doing what? He's continuing to give us that forgiveness of sins because we daily sin. Although we've been sanctified, what does the Holy Spirit want to do? He wants to make it so that that sin, those sins that we do, they're not going to harm us. Um, I don't want them to starve us to death. I don't want... Uh, uh, this sin to lead me to this sin to lead me out the door, he's going to keep daily forgiving us so that we who are sanctified, we are in the church, might continue in this faith and belief and this, this sanctification. So he daily and richly. We need, we need the forgiveness uh, uh, as believers daily and richly. What's going to happen on the last day? Um, on the last day, uh, as Nikolai said, the Lord's going to return. What's going to happen? What's going to happen to us? You're going to take us? What if you're dead? It's
1: going, to raise me up.
0: going to raise you up. What if you're not dead? <laughs> you won't have to die. Your body will be changed, is what they say. Now, why do you need a change? Mm-hmm. Because we have a sinful nature. We have a, and so we're going to be given a body that's without sin. So, you who have a sinful nature, it will be stripped away. Uh, um, you who have uh, died will rise again without the body of sin. Uh, through death, that's all. And so when the Lord returns, he will take us to himself. He will raise me and all the dead. Part of this return, part of this death, is about defeating uh, uh, our sinful nature. That it might not afflict or, or plague us anymore. And then, as it says, he will give us a life supernal or here eternal life. Uh, to us and all believers. Questions? I'll light our candles and we'll begin on page 224. Please stand.
1: Oh Lord, open my lips. And my mouth will declare your praise. Make haste, O oh God, to deliver me. Help me, o Lord. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen.
0: Praise to you.
1: You may be seated.
0: The reading is from Matthew 22. It's on the back of your bulletin. And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding. And they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their ways. One to his farm, Another to his business, and the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious, and he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Then he said to his servants, "'The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding.'" So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. This is God's word. Our hymn is our white sheet, how lovely shines the morning star.
1: of graces, filling all the heavenly places. O highest joy, five mortals won, true Son of God and Mary's Son, Thou high-born King of Ages. flower, and thy blessed gospel-saving power, my soul is on engages. Thou mine, I thine, sing hosanna, heavenly manna, tasting each repeating now Now, verse me to my my waiting heart O thou my God God, deign to impart the grace of love undying in thy blessed body let me be as the branches in the tree, thy light my life supplying, sighing, crying for the savor of thy favor, resting ever, till I rest in thee forever. of peace from God I see when thy pure eyes are turned to me to show me thy good pleasure. Jesus, thy spirit and thy word, thy body and thy blood afford my is dearest treasure. Keep me kindly in thy favor. O oh, my Savior, thou wilt cheer me. Thy word calls me to draw near thee. Thou. In thy son didst love me and has begun this ancient world's foundation. Thy son hath made a friend of me, and when in spirit in my sea. And joy in tribulation. What bliss is this? He that liveth to me giveth life forever. Nothing string Let all that songs of music ring in God's high praises. Bless. Praise the God of your salvation. O joy to know that thou my friend Art Lord beginning without end The first and last eternal. Take me to the Holy
0: Banquet. It starts at the beginning with the king who has a son, and well, we pr- quickly get the idea uh, that the father and his uh, and the son of God, and and they're sending out uh, they're sending out servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast. Um, the servants, well. They are the prophets, the apostles, the pastors, the ministers, those that God has sent out. Um, But at the beginning of this parable, it's pretty particular. Um, it's, It's specific, saying, go out and tell, and the phrase is, those who were invited. Who is it speaking of? The Jews. It is speaking of, uh, of the descendants of Abraham. It is speaking of those who are God's chosen people. And they, first and foremost, they had an invitation. Wow, where did they get this invitation? And how did God give it to them? a promise. And where was the promise found? In the Word. The Jews had the Word. They had God's word. None of the other nations had the word. If you needed the word, you had to go to them. Uh, They were the ones that had Moses and the prophets, uh, the Psalms. They had the word. Okay. So they had this. They had been invited when it was time. So it's speaking about the coming of Christ. uh, When it was time, they were told, come to the wedding. Verse 3 tells us what? Not willing, this is about desire. this is about want. This is about no, they had no want. Uh, they didn't want to be there. Uh, they were not they were not willing to come. We see that our God is compassionate and gracious and slow to anger. For with verse four, what does he do? He sends them out again to those who were invited. He sends out again, a second time, not just once. Um, they didn't want to come. He sent out again, tell those who were invited uh, that it's all ready. Come to the wedding feast. Um, you know, this was not a, uh, uh, a selling seminar in which uh, uh, you come to it and they give you a sales pitch and they're going to sell you something. Uh, this is...
1: Come and receive. Come and receive.
0: They didn't want to. And so he tells them, it's all ready. Come to the wedding. Uh, They made light of it and they went their way. One went to his what? Farm. One went to to his business. And it says the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and... Killed them. What kind of treatment of of those um, of 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 those four groups? One, they paid no attention. They treated it lightly. Uh, what does that mean? <coughs> Why don't they want to come? They don't need it. They're unconcerned. They don't even care. Um, you know. uh, the next one, they go to the farm or the business. What about this?
1: Farms more important.
0: There are things that we care about. But finally you get even to the fourth group and you find that they do what? Mm-hmm. They, they kill them. Um, There does come a point at which God, who is long-suffering and merciful, finally will exact judgment, and the king is angry, and rightfully so. For they have had an invitation, they have been invited to his wedding, um, and yet uh, this is what they have done, not only to him, but also to his servants. And so it says that he was furious, destroyed those murderers, burned up their city. But then he sends out after this Jewish race, the Jewish nation, you can obviously see this is the rejection of the Jewish nation, of the Savior by and large. Uh, Their temple is destroyed in 70 AD, Uh, they are left. But the message goes out again. He tells his servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited, the invited ones, it says they were not worthy. What, what, what does that mean, they were not worthy? How, how, do, you, how do you become worthy? Through your sins forgiven,
1: through faith. Yes, mm-hmm. through
0: faith in the Savior, the sins are forgiven, and yet they are not. They want nothing to do with that. Um so he said they weren't worthy go out to the highways as many as you find invite to the wedding go out um, uh, so the servants went out they went from the highways they gather all they found and guess what they invited both bad and good What? what's that trying to tell us this bad and
1: good um,
0: who are the who are the bad ones who are the good ones and, and they both get invited. I um, think. Talking about outward, outward actions. Right. So both the good, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the whatever who outwardly appear before men to be, as well as the that are not. Um, tax collectors, sinners, or whatever, what does it let us know? There's no distinction to be made. It doesn't matter if you're the most pious person there is or if you have done the worst sin that you could possibly think of. The Lord said, I'm going to call you to the wedding feast. What does that mean? Here's your forgiveness. Yes. He's saying, every one of you, confess your sins and receive the forgiveness of sins. Um, there is no restrictions between Jews and Gentiles. There's no restriction between I, I, you know, uh, outward behavior or, thing. I don't uh, um, both bad, any of them are there. Call them to the wedding feast. And so this is the announcement, just as Paul kind of lets us know, listen, I went to the Jews, they rejected it. Now I'm going to the Gentiles. There's no restrictions. Come, confessing your sins, believe in Jesus. Uh, in order to be saved. And what happens? By and large, we look out where the Jews rejected, the Gentiles come, um, and they receive it. And so it says, uh, the wedding hall was filled with guests. Uh, They come in. But when the king came in to see the guests, he is shocked to see a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. Hmm. Didn't have on a wedding garment. Well, you can only stay in God's heaven if you're properly dressed. Maybe it's a little like church, huh? If you don't have on a suit and tie... I have Dan, the elder bouncer, kick you out. Uh, If you don't have on a dress and it doesn't come down long enough, not above the knees, below the knees, then we'll kick you out. What is this? No, that's not what the sweating garment is. In fact, he's shocked because why?
1: He doesn't have on the robe of righteousness that Christ gave him.
0: Correct. These are given. These are gifts. And so, um, it is said that in, and in, in old oriental weddings, uh, that guests were provided with wedding garments. Uh, they were given it. And so this is not a matter of this man not doing enough. This man, you know, um, there are some that said, well, he just didn't do enough good works to have a robe. No. This is faith in Jesus Christ. This is the forgiveness of sins, the white garment that goes over. They were giving these out as you came in. And what did this man do?
1: Eric? I'm trying to figure out what the
0: difference between this guy and the ones that were not worthy is. So the ones before, I've already have explained, you know, those are the ones that reject the word, reject Jesus, reject all of this. This man says, you know, I think I want to go to the wedding. I think I want to, you know, I I heard there's an open bar there. There's good food. I'm going to go to the wedding. I want to hang out.
1: He wants to hang out with the church.
0: Yes. And so he hangs out and he comes and he sits in the pews and he sings to him. And everybody says, boy, you know, you're really a great kind of guy. Um, you happen to sell insurance? I think I'll come to you and, and get some insurance. And, you know, his, his wife's real pleased. Everything's good. But this guy, what? Despite being in the church, despite doing things that the church does, he doesn't believe in Jesus. And so the man who comes in and they say, Here's the wedding garment of Jesus, and he says, I won't need that. I'm doing just fine. My. My life without Jesus is perfectly acceptable to God. And he comes in with his dirty, ratty clothes of sin and rejects Jesus. So there is no difference. The difference is is that the other ones go away. This is describing, we would say, the church until the end of time. We've got the Word and Sacraments. We've got all the people. Some are believers. Some are like this man. Does that work? So the unworthy. Of the first group, which was because they rejected God's word. They rejected the word, which they didn't have the forgiveness of Jesus. Faith and forgiveness. Which is the same as this cloak of righteousness. This guy here. There are some that say, you know, hey, you want to go to church with me? And they go, no, I'm, I, I don't, not I'm not going to church at all. I want nothing to do with that. They'll be damned. There are those that come to church, sit in the pews... And don't believe in Jesus. Same situation. They're still unworthy. Why? It's the forgiveness. It's the gift that God has given out and they don't want it. So yeah, it's the same thing. But some are outside. Some are hanging around. Um, There's other parables that talk about this. We've got the uh, the wheat and the tares, the wheat and the weeds growing side by side until the end. We don't know who is and who isn't. We've got the story of the uh, virgins, the five and the five, both hanging around until the end. I mean, it's, it's a continual kind of thing. So this gets us about from, from the end of time. You would say uh, uh, we have one. This man thinks he is saved without faith in Jesus, but he is not. How would you get in here? What's the answer? There's no answer to that. Um, You rejected the gift. Um, Tie him up, put him into outer darkness. When we get to the end, for many are called, but few are chosen. Simply put, many are called, meaning God sends out his call to come and be forgiven of Christ. The many are everyone. Uh, That's the many. Uh, The many are called. But few are chosen. Few are the elect. Few are the ones who, having heard the call, well, believe in Christ and trust in him for salvation. Now, granted, as we say, the Holy Spirit is always working where that word is. And so when you ask the other question, the question is, well, why do some reject? There is only one answer. And that is the perverted will of man. That's the only answer to that question. It's not that God won't call them. It's not that God won't create faith in their hearts. But those who close their ears and refuse to hear and refuse to uh, uh, trust in the words of the promise that's being preached, well, when you reject the Holy Spirit and his working, you then will not have faith. Those outside the church don't. Those sitting inside the church who refuse to hear about the forgiveness of sins, they won't be saved either.
1: Yep? I wish my
0: fiance was here, Beth, for this one. She got a much different explanation of this last Sunday.
1: Isn't that right? Which was a confusing explanation. (laughs) Because
0: the guy compared this
1: to Vatican two.
0: No kidding. I have not heard that.
1: Because... It's third hand now, but it's yeah.
0: that the word was supposed to go out to reach more people to why they moved the front more towards the center of the church. I, I pointed out wrong or right, that that would mean that the priests and all those people were the Jews in
1: this. And, <laughs> the Jew. and you don't want to be the Jew.
0: Interesting. I'll preach on it Sunday, so. Questions? Alright, your pink sheet has your recitation uh that includes our main text of the six chief parts. So help me with the ten commandments. Eric Apostle's Creed. Con, Lord's Prayer, Man, Holy Baptism. Uh, Jane, confession absolution. Uh, Brian and Sacrament of the Altar. Cecil, thank you. Please stand. The Ten Commandments teach what we are to do. The law of God recruits all sin and brings God's wrath. The law requires the entire confidence of the whole heart of man. In repentance, we acknowledge our sin, that there is no good in us. Without faith in Jesus Christ, all are utterly
1: lost. You
0: shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers, to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. The Apostles' Creed teaches what God does and gives.
1: In addition to temporal blessings, the Heavenly Father is given to us through the preaching of the Gospel by the Holy Spirit, our whole redemption and salvation obtained by Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection. It is therefore certain that we are justified by faith in Christ alone, not on account of our merits.
0: I believe in God, the Father Almighty. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord's Prayer teaches how we should pray.
1: There is nothing so necessary as to constantly call upon the divine name, invoking and begging God to grant us faith in the fulfillment of the Ten Commandments to
0: preserve and increase faith and fulfillment, and to remove from us all that obstructs and hinders our progress. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Holy Baptism brings us into the Christian community.
1: Christian Baptism, water connected with the Word, is truly God's own word received by faith that it might impart salvation and comfort us in
0: affliction. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Confession and absolution is the voice of the gospel.
1: It is the proper use of the gospel to believe the absolution of our sins and to be assured that they are forgiven us without any merit of our own through Christ and that when we believe the words of absolution, we are as surely reconciled to God, as if we heard a voice from heaven. The Lord,
0: the Lord Jesus Spirit breathed on his disciples and, disciples, disciples and said to them, Receive the, the Holy Spirit. Spirit. If, if you, forgive you forgive the sins, sins of any, any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, any they, they are retained. The sacrament of the altar is food for the soul.
1: We are sacrament in order to receive the treasure of Christ's body and blood through and in which we obtain the remission of sins. This sacrament is given as daily food and nourishment by which faith may repair and recover his strength against attack and temptation.
0: Our Lord Jesus Christ on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks This do, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. The Lord be with you. And with your Let us pray. Grant, we beseech thee, merciful Lord, to thy faithful people pardon and peace, that they may be cleansed from all their sins and serve thee with a quiet mind. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, World without end Amen. let us bless the Lord be to God. the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all.